morning, Christ Community Church. My name is Matt Holdsworth, and I'll be reading our scripture from Psalm 90. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with one of the blue Bibles in front of you on page 496. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust, and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by a reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you. So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I remember the first time I preached at Christ Community Church. I was a new campus minister here, and I'd heard of Christ Community Church and Paul Phillips, and I'd heard how seriously and joyfully you took God's word, and it almost felt like I was a caterer. Right? And I wanted, to, I wanted to bring good food uh, to the people of Christ Community Church. And I walked in and I was welcomed, but I didn't know you. And over the last years as, as campus minister at UNCW and, and, and even leaving and, and staying in contact with, with some of you, it doesn't feel like I'm a caterer anymore. It, it feels like I get to come and be a part of a family meal, a place that we enjoy receiving the good word, receiving the good food. So thank you. Uh, thank you for your support, for your welcome. Uh, we are overjoyed and overwhelmed to be here, to be in this city and to be in this church. And I got to be honest, to be able to preach the word to you is, is a joy and it's a gift to me. Uh, you heard it read earlier, but I'm going to pray and ask God to just help us one more time. Let me pray. Lord, would you help us, me included, Lord, to believe the good news of the gospel from Psalm 90 today. God, we know distractions exist. Lord, would you, even in the midst of those distractions, help us to hear clearly what you have for us today by the power of your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, kids, whether you work in the kids' ministry here, you know this, whether you have nieces and nephews or people in your neighborhood, whether you're a mom or a dad or a grandparent, you know that kids have a hard time with time. 
kids have a hard time with time. And, and some of you kids, you might want to come up and, and argue with me after, and you're welcome to do that. But let me give you an example. Uh, sometimes uh, we play games with our kids almost every day. And so one of my kids, they, they come to me and say, hey, hey, Daddy, can we play a game? And I'll say, in a minute. And 60 seconds go by. And I'm informed that, Dad, it's been a minute. And kids maybe understand time better than we do, but they have a hard time with time. That's why we don't announce ahead of time if we're going on a big vacation. I do, and then I get in trouble, right? Because kids have a hard time with time. It's no surprise with, with the struggles of life. With all that we've been facing, even in the last few years, but really all of life, that maybe we all have a hard time with time. As we look back at the scriptures, we see that people had a hard time with time. The, the people of Israel here in Psalm 90, they, they find themselves between the rescue and the promise. The rescue from slavery in Egypt, the promised land... Moses is writing this psalm. This is probably the oldest psalm in the Psalter. He's writing in reflection of or or maybe during the time when the people of Israel were wandering in the desert. Between the rescue and the promise. This is the generation that saw the deliverance from Egypt. Can you imagine that? From slavery to freedom like Paul mentioned at the beginning. What it was like for those African Americans in Texas to hear those words, to be free, for the Israelites to go from slavery in Egypt. That generation, as they hear this psalm, they're dying out. A new generation's being born. They're not yet in the promised land, and they have a short memory of what happened because they didn't experience it like that first generation here's what john calvin a pastor and a scholar says he says although the wonderful goodness of god shone brightly in their deliverance from egypt we know that soon after it was extinguished by their ingratitude so that for the space of not less than only 40 years they were consumed with continual weariness in the wilderness It's amazing that even after 40 years, the Israelites forgot the glory of what happened in the rescue. Think back even three years. Are we weary? As we live between the rescue and the promise, are are we struggling? You just have to drive around. People seem angrier now. We, We go shopping and people seem to have shorter fuses. I know I do. I have to catch myself constantly as I live in the weariness of our day. But, you know, John Calvin goes on to say, and and this is my translation, that this was the right time for Moses to pray and to pray mercifully for his people. Don't you just love a God who knows we're weary? And by his power and by his grace, he uses people to pray in the midst of our weariness, that we might see that and know that, that his spirit might be at work in and through us because of that. He doesn't leave us where we are. The gospel flows from the Old Testament into the New, even into now. This prayer was on behalf of the people wandering in the desert, but no doubt 
It was an encouragement. It was a reminder for those in in Israel who would have read this later. And it's no doubt an encouragement for us who read it today as we sit between the rescue of the cross and the promise of the consummation. As we look back over this psalm, and I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to, to follow along. I'll be pointing us back to this text over and over again. Let me ask you this question. Where are you this morning? Now, I've already told you that whether you're a Christian or not a Christian this morning, we live between what Jesus did on the cross and his return. You may believe that and you may not. But the Bible teaches us that's where we sit. But maybe we take a step further in this morning. And we ask ourselves, where are we really? Are we doing okay? Are we lonely? Are we frustrated? Are we joyful? Where are we in our relationships? Where are we in our decisions? As we begin to locate ourselves more deeply, here's what's going to happen. This psalm that Moses wrote all these years ago as a prayer is going to pray for us. And my hope that it brings conviction and clarity I hope it brings hope and joy because I believe that God's word has this wonderful way of meeting us exactly where we are as we all sit between the rescue and the promise. Here's what we're going to see this morning. That he's God, that we are not, and it's time to get to work. Okay? That he is God, that we are not, and it's time to get to work. Look in verses 1 and 2. We see clearly the right way to start a psalm here, right? Maybe if you've been a Christian for any time, you know that when you're feeling kind of down, you'll flip to the psalms maybe. And if you get one that doesn't start quite so positive, you flip to another one. This is one that you're like, this is is what I need. This shows us the graciousness and goodness of God, that, that he is God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, what I love about this, this word dwelling place, if, if we read it from the ESV, it's written well. This idea of dwelling to us seems nice, maybe camping out in a place for a time. But, but really, this dwelling place, more deeply, is a, is a refuge and a home. Now, for some of you, I, I say that word home, and it doesn't feel so good because the home that you came from doesn't feel safe. But when it's a refuge, a place of safety, then the home is a place of rest. Home is a place of growth and safety when it's also a refuge, a place that you can run to, that you can hide in, that you can be cared for. Lord, you have been our refuge and our home. You know, we left Wilmington three years ago. Uh, My kids in the last three years have grown up a ton And so living out west for them became much like a refuge for them. It became a home for them. And and when we told them that we were moving back to Wilmington, my wife and I were so excited, and they weren't. And I get that. That conversation turned into an ongoing conversation that helped me understand even just human nature that we have a fear of losing our place, don't we? We have a fear of losing our refuge in our home. For my kids, it was, it was our yard. We had a great yard. Wonderful place to play, things to swing from, place to, to imagine and tell stories. And so what did we do? 
Well, we reminded our children that, that that's just one place, and it was a special place. We described for them the, the places that they would find here, and then we let them experience it, and we brought them to the greatest city in America and in the world over spring break, Wilmington, North Carolina. And we showed them our new house, and we took them to the beach, and, and as we've moved here, we've, we've gotten out in the community We've gone to the beach. We've, we've, well, we just got their bikes in. We're going to start riding our bikes again. We wanted them to know that this is a place where not only, can, not only they can enjoy, but belong. The structure of these two verses, it can, it can actually help us understand this dwelling place that our God is reminding us all of. You see, it kind of starts these first two verses in the same way that it ends, and then it, it repeats itself. Look at it with me. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Look at the end of verse 2. You are God. You're our dwelling place in all generations, it says in verse 1. But towards the end of verse 2, it says, from everlasting to everlasting. Right in the middle, verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, what we have here is this reality that you, God, you are forever and always our creator. Now, that's really important. A lot of times we think about this idea of, of God being creator in a couple of ways in the Christian life. One, when we're studying the book of Genesis. Right? Or two, if we're having some type of apologetic conversation, a defending our faith conversation about the beginning of the world. But I think what Moses is doing here is he appeals to the God of creation. Is he's reminding us the importance of daily understanding that the God that has called you made you. And he knows you. And he is a refuge for you. And there's no one better to call you to themselves than the one who made you. You see, God doesn't guess about what you need. He is what you need. He is God. He is our dwelling place. Just like my kids learning to love this new place, we are reminded of what He did. The truth is described about who He is, and then we actually get to experience Him by the regeneration of the Spirit in a new creation. You see, we're going to wander. We're going to feel like we don't belong, but he calls us back as creator, as our dwelling place, as our refuge, as our home. Ava Zubek is a Polish explorer. She also has a YouTube channel. Ava Zubek is a, a traveler and explorer, and in a lot of ways, she's highly inexperienced. That's probably why so many people watch her YouTube channel. She gets herself into all types of issues. And so here's what she did. She, she went and bought an old Land Rover Discovery, an old one. Notoriously has issues. She fixes it up. She makes it into a camper. She, she goes from Poland to Turkey. She's going to travel around Turkey. And here's what happens. It breaks down again and again and again. And she takes it to these mechanic shops and, and they kind of fix it. 
They do the best they can because they're not familiar with, with how to fix such an old car. Or maybe they don't, they don't work on Land Rovers. But then she gets to this big city. And she takes her truck to a certified Land Rover mechanic. And not just a certified Land Rover mechanic, but a Land Rover mechanic that makes the parts to put into old Land Rovers. And guess what they do? They fix it. They fix it fully, and they fix it finally. From using parts that might work to using parts that were made for it. From a mechanic guessing that something's wrong or what something's for to a mechanic who knows why each part is designed from her wanting to be hopeful that it was actually fixed to resting as she put the key in the ignition and turned it in the surety that everything has been fixed that everything has been made right or as we christians would say it that everything has been redeemed that's the rest that comes from our dwelling place you know in a lot of ways we are inexperienced travelers in this world whether we're four or 47 or 104 in so many ways this life continues to throw things at us that we can't handle but god our creator knows that god our creator is our refuge and our home he's our protection and our comfort he's our forever and always creator he is our dwelling place So friends, as we think about living between the rescue and the promise, that's where we start. With the God who made us, who who loves us, who has purposed us for himself. He is God. But we're not. We are not him. And and my guess is in a room like this, most of us don't even need to, to be told that we're not God. We understand that in so many ways, but... I also think in a room like this that it doesn't stop us from from trying to be him sometimes in our life. We, We know the struggles of this world. We know the sufferings that we engage. But I I don't think that stops us from trying to take things into our own hands. Or is that just me? I think it's all of us. And so Moses, what he does here is he actually reflects in verses 3 through 10 on the sin of the people, on the effects of that sin, he sees the reality of their state. I wonder if if just acknowledging that this morning, I wonder if there could be some freedom this morning as we understand that, that reality that we are a people in need, that every single one of us, that the reason we confess our sin altogether in a church service is because every single one of us has a great need we are not him how does moses show us this well in in verses three through six he he talks about how brief our life is you return man to dust verse three for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night we come from dust we will return to dust this life is temporary even though sometimes it feels really long. A thousand years, he says here in verse 4, we think about the person who lived the longest in the Bible, Methuselah, not quite a thousand years. But his whole life was as a day 
to the Lord. Our days are but a fraction of that. This comparison, it it presses us into the truth of the immensity of God. The eternality of our God. And you know what? Every single one of us gets lost. It's like the greatest corn maze ever that you don't want to get out of. As we engage with our God, our life is brief. Verses 5 through 6, they talk about the fragile nature of our lives. In in the middle of verse 5, it says, Like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. doesn't stop there. But in the evening it fades and withers. Now, some of you, unlike me, work really hard to ensure that your grass is green. And you spend much money on much water, on a certain schedule to ensure that. And I admire you. But for the last three years, we've, we lived in the high desert of Boise, Idaho, where when the heat comes, it comes. And it doesn't rain for three months or four months. And no matter how much water you put, you're not going to have green grass. And so almost overnight, it goes from the spring rains and the lush, beautiful green hills to brown, yellow. It goes from running outside and feeling the grass under your feet to the grass poking your feet. That's our life. The the, the heat of our sin, the the, the struggle of this world, it, it comes on us and we realize the fragile nature of our lives like grass. Moses tells us our life is brief. He also tells us our life is struggle. In verses 7 and 8, it, it talks about the reality of our sin, of our sin. We are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Friends, the reason the gospel is so beautiful is because we can admit that we have stuff. And that stuff is called sin. And that sin is missing the mark that God has for us, separating us from Him. And that seems scary when we hear words like wrath. When we hear words like we're brought to an end by your anger. But it's so important that we understand that we are not Him. Because here's what happens if we don't talk about that. We slowly slowly, slowly begin to believe that we can do this on our own. That we believe we are growing in maturity because we have all the answers, because we've taken care of all the things. But in reality, that's not maturity, that's self-sufficiency. The way that we grow in maturity is through dependence on the God that loves us and knows us and knows our sin. And though He calls it forth, He also deals with it. We struggle with sin. Moses is talking about their sin, the sin of Israel, as they were not faithful to God in the wilderness. Our sin, it puts us at odds with God. Is there not a bigger struggle? Is there not a bigger struggle? You know, when I'm really struggling with something, one of the things I love to do is to call in somebody who's better at that than I am and ask them for help. Thank you, by the way. 
When I struggle, I call in somebody who understands it better than I do so they can set me on the right path. I think it's helpful for us to think about our sin as struggle. I think we need to feel inept to be able to do this on our own so that we do call in the one who has already dealt with it, who can point us back to life. We struggle with sin and we struggle with the consequences of sin. Verses 9 and 10, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. What Moses is getting at here is that every area of our life is touched by the brokenness that comes from our sin. Doesn't that just make you want to sigh? But God, but God gives us new life. And so he is God and we are not. And so we need to get to work. Now, before we jump all the way to checklist Christianity, where if I do all the right stuff, then I'm good. This is not a do better, try harder into the sermon. This is a calling for us to get to work, You know, verses 3 through 10, they aren't exactly the halftime speech of the team that's down. Calling them to, to get back up and to go. But this is the sweetest place that we can be as God calls us to get to work, to our, our real work. Because you see, in our place of need, he's calling us to get to the work of ministry. Every single one of us in this room who claims Christ in our place of need. We can't do ministry without dependence. Dependence on him, not because of what we has done, we have done. He's calling us to get the work. And what better way to show dependence than that which Moses is doing in Psalm 90? What is he doing? He's praying. I didn't even know that was one of the things you're focusing on in this season. But I'm calling you to it. He's praying. What do we pray for? Look in verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is application. Write this down. Write this down on your heart. Do this as you follow Jesus. Alan Hartman, a a scholar, he says here to number means something far more than mere arithmetic. It's a spiritual approach to our human life and especially to our fleeting earthly existence. The end result of such numbering is that we're able to bring to God as an offering a heart of wisdom. So we pray for understanding and wisdom. We pray for God to make good on his covenant. One of my favorite Old Testament words in the Hebrew is chesed, This covenant, this loving faithfulness of the God that made us promises us a hope in the future. And so we pray that God would make good on the covenant. Look what Moses prays. Return, O Lord. He's calling back to the promises. Return, O Lord. How long have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. If that's not like a good cup of coffee when you've had a good sleep, I don't know what is. That is good news. 
that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. The Christian life is one of joy. Yes, it's one of sorrow. Yes, we name the sorrows. Yes, we cry tears with one another. But we always come back. We always call upon our God who has made promises to us of love and faithfulness that we might rejoice. We pray for that. We pray that we would experience His full redemption. Look in verse 15. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Full redemption. Let's get to work by praying for those things. Let's get to work by praying for a lasting and rooted ministry. Not just of Christ Community Church, not just of downtown Prez, but the ministry you have in the schools in which you work, in the neighborhoods in which you live, in the places where God has called you, whether that's here or Waco. Let's pray that our Lord would do that. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to your children. Listen to this in verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. You do it, Lord. We need you, Lord. We work in the refuge. We work in the refuge, and I would call that the ultimate stay-at-home job. He is our refuge, and He is our strength. You know, scholars, they, they have different opinions on this Psalm 90 about what is the central verse. And as I look back from, from this point in our history, I don't know if I can tell you what the central verse is, but I can tell you where my eyes go. My eyes go to verse 11. We finish with this. Who considers the power of your anger? and your wrath according to the fear of you. Who considers that? Who takes that? Who enables us to pray? Who enables us to do ministry? Who enables us to be reconciled to the God that made us? Who? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus took the power of His anger and His wrath on the cross. Jesus took our sin that we might be called children of God and He lavished His love on us. And children? Children have a hard time with time. We have a hard time with time. And so when Jesus says gloriously, I am coming soon, He also meets us in the place between the rescue of the cross and the promise of Him coming back. And He promises to preserve us until the end. He promises to be with us and teach us, and He promises that He will take our sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west. And that is how we live on mission between what He did and what He will do in this world that's filled with trouble. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are alive. Father, we thank you that your gospel is true. Lord, we thank you that you took the wrath and the anger of our sin from God, that we might be restored to the God who made us. Lord, won't you lead us out today 
in the full assurance of that so that we might trust you more, so that we might pray to you more, so that we might believe you more. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.